Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Rock and Roll Friday on The Savage Nation, opening with the great Janis Joplin. Phone number is 855-407-282. Janis Joplin, one of the greats of the 60s, died too young. Oh, I know, she drank and she used drugs. And she's not one of us, one of us goody-two-shoe Republicans who behind the scenes are probably dirtier than she ever was. But you know I love her music. Is that enough? Does it have to go through some clearinghouse run by the Republican cartel before I can play a song on my show, before I can think on my show, before I can breathe on my show? You're listening to the wrong show if that's what you want out of a show. That's the opening to my show. Now, good night. Have a nice day. So here are the topics that I'm going to talk about today and anything else you'd like to talk about on Open Mic to Mike Friday. Some of them are not very pretty to talk about. They're heartbreaking. They're just hot. They'll rip your guts out. They'll rip your guts out. If you follow me on Twitter or my website, you'll know where I'm going. Let me start with the one that really got me going today. Trump permits EPA to reauthorize use of cyanide bombs to kill wild animals. Heartbreaking. I thought I had reached Ivanka and Jared on protecting our animal friends. Sad for the world. Now, I realize that you think this is disloyal, but that's your problem, not mine. I am loyal to a higher truth than Donald Trump. I am loyal to a higher truth than the Republican Party. I am loyal to a higher truth than you may think. And I only talk to that truth. Now, if it doesn't permeate the membrane of let us say, conservatism, that passes for conservatism, I can't help you either. Trump permits the EPA to reauthorize use of cyanide bombs to kill wild animals. So I had an interesting interchange on that with a rancher who uh, said to me the following. He said, maybe you should speak with ranchers and get some perspective on wildlife pests. Michael Savage said, does the word humane enter your vocabulary? Vinny says, is it humane to let coyotes and wolves slaughter sheep and goats? Dr. Savage says, the essence of civilized life was founded on the humane slaughter of animals. We are going backwards. No answer. I want to enter the show with this issue of civilization, civilized life, whether it's about humane slaughter of animals or the humane treatment of other human beings. I will tell you that right now, we are descending. We're in a retrograde phase of human life on this earth. The shootings over the last weekend to me were the, shall I say, the low point of my radio career. I don't understand how a human being, I've seen this before in human history. It went on in Uganda with people butchering each other. It went on in Nazi Germany. It went on in the Soviet Union. It went on in um, other Soviet despotic nations such as um, my good friend over there in, in Cambodia, Pol Pot. But this indiscriminate slaughter of fellow humans interests me because I don't think we have fallen to this level in my lifetime. Jim, am I wrong? Have you seen so much wanton slaughter in your life in this country? Drugs? Is it the drugs? Is it the use of uh, psychoactive compounds on boys? Is it the dehumanization of white males? What is it? 
We talked about that this week. And speaking of that, will Trump lose suburban women over guns and cyanide bombs on animals? Stories are coming up saying he will. Sweden has made beggars pay a begging fee. Did you hear that one? Socialist Sweden has introduced a fee if you want to beg in the streets, meaning if you're homeless and you want to beg, you have to get a, uh, a permit. It was ruled uh, uh, illegal in America by the vermin in the uh, judicial system. I think you should get a begging permit. You should get a begging permit. You know, get a control over it. Maybe to limit the number of people who beg in the streets. 855-407-282. Later on, we're going to talk about the link between pot and mass shootings. We're going to revisit marijuana horror stories. How has marijuana ruined your life? I'm not letting it go. I'm not letting that one go because too many boys and girls' lives are being ruined by marijuana with the big myth that it's just a healthy herb. Those are some of the topics that have intrigued me. There's another couple that I can bring up. Cyanide bombs to my boyhood using cyanide to clean statues in my father's store as described in The Savage Life. You know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to ask you this. What is your favorite story in A Savage Life? I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'll tell you just what I'm going to do. I wrote a new story for this book that's probably one of the best new stories in modern literature. In years to come, I will be known as one of the great literary voices of my time. Whether you agree with that or not really doesn't matter to me because you are unknown and you won't be known. And the reason I'm saying it is because, well, all authors like to believe that they're important. But I recently had a conversation with a true literary publisher who comes from a literary family who said that your writing is that of the great Russian writers. He read Xenon. He was absolutely floored by it. Conversations with my great-grandfather. May I read that to you since it's a Friday? Or we'll talk about the horrors of the world. Let me read this to you because I don't want to talk about the horrors of the world. If you do, I'll take your calls in order in which they come. What do you feel is the most important story out there that I haven't talked about, that no one's talking about? What's the number one thing bothering you about the world today? 855-407-282. It's Rock and Roll Friday. It's Open Mic to Mike Friday. That's my dog, Teddy, my 16-year-old lifetime compel. 16 years is a long time to have a pet. We pulled him back from the brink of death last winter with the help of a uh, saintly veterinarian from India. And uh, he's been doing pretty good. He was able to sleep back in the house again without waking us. It's really beautiful. You know, it's like having an old grandpa around who you don't throw out on a trash heap like some young girls have been known to throw their fetuses in a, in a, in a trash bin in between a dance. You know, they go to a dance, and baby comes out. They rip it out and throw it into a trash bin in the alley, clean off in the bathroom, and go back to the dance because their their priorities are absolutely straight. The dance is what's important, not the baby in the trash can, right? Isn't that the world we're living in, the dehumanization of life, whether it's through abortion or shootings? Who do you blame? I'll start with movies. I'll start with Martin Scorsese. I'll start with the devils of Hollywood. I'll start with the hair plug people in Hollywood, the worst people in the history of the world who have destroyed the planet with their pollution. So I'm a different kind of personality. And I am a man who lives with my ancestors very present in my mind, more so than I would like. Sometimes it's hard to live with them. Sometimes I turn them off. Sometimes I can't turn them off. I told you there are cultures on earth for whom their ancestors are real. Native Americans, for example. Look, I've collected primitive art 
for since the 1970s. And many of the pieces that I have are from New Guinea, for example, before New Guinea was lost to, to Western civilization, if you want to call it that. And some of the primitive art from New Guinea, New, well, New Guinea, New Ireland, and that area are effigies of an entire family lineage on one carving on a pole. All the, uh, the pole has all the effigies of the family. The artist felt all of them in his, in his spirit, right? I'm very much in that realm. So I'm going to read this to you. Just the other day, I got a picture of a daguerreotype of my great-grandfather from Russia. It turns out there's a distant relative somewhere in America who's doing the genealogy of my family. Now, I never met my great-grandfather. I knew he had to exist. I wouldn't be here without him. God bless him. He was born in 1866. In this picture, I see a man with a suit and tie staring at me. It looks like he has a red beard. I got the picture of my great-grandfather, and I started to have conversations with him in my head because there are cultures on earth that believe that their ancestors are with them at all times, watching them, watching their every act, and it's what keeps the believers in check. Those of us who carry around our ancestors in our heads are those who keep the human race sane and alive. I don't have to read anymore, but I guarantee you those two morons who went on a shooting spree didn't have any ancestors in their head. All they had was drug, sex, and rock and roll in their head and throw in a little drug. As you know, I spent many years, I'm reading from A Savage Life, uh, one of the most misunderstood books of its time. As you know, I spent many years collecting medicinal plants on very rare islands in the South Pacific, and I'm taking a long, I'm talking a long time ago before tourism overtook these areas. I used to collect primitive art. You can't find primitive art anymore. It's all in museums, and most of these ancestral pieces of art, for example, from New Guinea or New Britain or New Ireland, at that time contained figures that codified the ancestry of that person. The artist would carve something out of a tree trunk, and there would be ancestral faces and bodies in it because they understood quite well that none of us were born unto ourselves. We were all born of a mother who was 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 born of a mother, born of a mother ad, ad infinitum. So if you forget that chain, that you're part of this human chain of evolution within your own family, what you become is a narcissist without past or future and, frankly, an empty present. Something happened in me when I looked at that picture of the great-grandfather who I never met. He's staring right at me through this daguerreotype taken around 1860 or 1870, somewhere in Russia or Poland, somewhere where almost every Jewish person was left behind was annihilated and killed either by the Nazis or by the Russians. Now, since I got this picture, I've been having imaginary conversations with my great-grandfather, and it has altered my behavior in some ways because I realize I'm not here alone. I didn't come out of the air. I wasn't born through spontaneous combustion. Even as a little boy, I must say, when I was doing naughty stuff, I would apologize to my ancestors, and I would look up and I would think they were there. I would do the naughty stuff anyway because I had no impulse control as a little boy. And I felt they looked away in shame. But more recently, I started to talk to my great-grandfather's picture and in my head. So here he is, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I imagined the following. He spoke to me in Hebrew, and he said, Here's a hein, Michael. Listen, Michael. Then he said, Vus machst du, Michael? What do you do? What are you doing? It's actually not in Hebrew. It's in Yiddish, which is a combination of Hebrew and, and Old German. So he spoke to me in that language. And I said to him, I'm a writer and I'm on the radio. What's the radio? I talk to a lot of people on the radio. What do you say to the people on the radio? I talk about politics and events. And what do you say about politics and events? What is that? Whatever's going on, I give them my opinion. And why is your opinion so important? 
I don't know. People seem to like the way I think about these things. Well, what do you think about these things? Well, grandfather, it depends upon the situation. For example, if there's a war, maybe I'm against the war. And they think what you think is important? Yes. Why? Well, they think I have intelligence and I have an education. And they don't, he says. I say, no, most people don't have much intelligence, grandfather, not in the world in which we live. And many people don't have higher educations, and they don't know how to think. And how do you know how to think? Well, grandfather, you may not know this, but I have a lot of years learning how to think, going all the way back to college. I have many higher degrees where I was taught how to think. What do you mean you were taught how to think? You couldn't think when you were a little boy? No, not like I do now. Your grandson, my father, Bent, also taught me how to think. And how's that? He taught me how to put two and two together. What do you mean two and two together? What's two and two? I learned how to add two and two is four, not six. What do you mean? You know how to put things together for people because they can't on their own? Yes. So in that sense, you're like a teacher, a rabbi, a leader, like a teacher who tries to explain things to people? Oh, I guess so. So grandfather said, okay, that I can understand. So if you can do that like a teacher, why aren't you a teacher? Because I'm not. I don't want to do it through a holy book. Why? It worked for me and everyone preceding me for a thousand years or more. Five thousand years we'll use the holy book. You can't use the holy book. You're too good for it. I don't know. It just seems remote to me, grandfather. It just seems like those prayers about being in the sky. Why? You don't think he exists? Are you sure of that? Are you sure that your every breath is not because of him? You sure that every morsel of bread that you eat every day is not because of him? Every glass of wine that you take is not because of him. I said, well, of course I understand the prayer, which is, God, thank you for giving us the grape and the vine, and thank you for giving me this bread. I understand all of that, grandfather, and sometimes I forget it. Well, don't forget it, he said to me. I can go on, should I? Would you like me to continue this or talk about cyanide, inhumane treatment of animals, civilized life going into hell? Uh Trump, my new name for the idiot, Buttigieg, I gave him a new name today, who says whites, there's, oh, Mayor Peep, I called him Mayor Peep, P-E-E-P, he has as much chance of winning as a mouse, I'll be right back. Savage. I love it, Jim, thanks. One of my favorite kids' songs. Little did I know we were both devil and angel. How did I know at that time? Little did I know that every girl was devil and angel. How did I not know that at nine? That's the beauty of music. Welcome back, uh, Rock and Roll Friday. We're all, I mean, we are devils and angels, right? So the heartbreaking story of the day is Trump permits EPA to reauthorize use of cyanide bombs to kill wild animals. Heartbreaking, I write. I thought I had reached Ivanka and Jared on protecting our animal friends, sad for the world. And I mentioned them because they're very nice people, and I thought that they were going to try, and they probably did. And they got overridden by the rancher interests inside the um, America that we have today. We've been set back 100 years. It's like living in the Wild West again with regard to, to this. So that's why, that is why I'm reading from something that's in another world. It's a transcendental story. Do you understand what I'm saying in a savage life? It's worth the price of admission to read this to your children. Unfortunately, I have no time not to even pick it up. Here's the problem with radio. I'm a natural storyteller. So if I go to a prelude to come back to the story, which I just did, 
Now I should read for 20 minutes, which I can't do. I have 40 seconds till the next ad. That's the nature of the business. Without the ads, there'd be no Michael. You wouldn't even know who I am. I'd be an old man alone sitting in a room reading to myself. But I don't want to be that because I'm not that. Inside, I'm a different type of personality than you may imagine. Shall I continue with this story? You want to read it for yourself? I'll tell you what. When I come back, I'll read a few more pages from conversations with the great-great-grandfather I never met from a savage life. Then we'll talk about the horrors of the world so my great-grandfather could turn over in his grave. Savage. So I'm going to go back and finish this up, just one more, two more pages, then you'll read it yourself. And I, I would ask you to read this to a child, a teenager. Don't read it to a young child. Conversation with a great-grandfather I never met from my great book, A Savage Life. So... Where did I leave off when I was so rudely interrupted with hair cream and, let's see, erection medication? I could just hear my grandfather in heaven saying, so this is what you do with your time now? You talk about erection medicine? I said, yes. This is your problem? A man schmecklach doesn't stand up? This is your problem? No, it's not the way it works. In my time, we didn't talk about such things. Now you're selling a medicine for a man schmecklach that doesn't stand up? So let me go back to the serious part of this. Um, so we go into the God thing. So he says to me, I guess you're a teacher. Yes. So if you can do it, why aren't you a teacher? Because I'm not, I don't want to do it through a holy book. I say to him, so he says, why it worked for me and everyone preceding me for a thousand years or more, 5,000 years. We use the holy book. You can't use the holy book. You're too good for it. I don't know. It just seems remote to me. Grandfather. Why? You don't think he exists. Are you sure of that? Are you sure that your every breath is not because of him? You sure that every morsel of bread that you eat every day is not because of him? Every glass of wine that you take is not because of him? I said, well, yes, of course I understand the prayer which says, God, thank you for giving us the grape and the vine, and thank you for giving me this bread. I understand all of that, and sometimes I forget it. Well, don't forget it, he said to me. Is this this of any interest to anybody out there? Or should we only talk about, let's see, racism and Trump? racists who say racism. By the way, your greatest defense against racists are called your racists who say The next time a liberal uses the phrase racist, which is all they know, they've been reduced down to one word, one word philosophy, racist. Anything you don't agree with is racist. Uh, You say to them, racist is saying racist is racist. Just shut them up. Just look them in the face and say, saying racist is racist. Now go away. But let me get back to this. So the grandfather says, but because if you forget it, he will forget you. And if he forgets you, you're liable to wind up with nothing. Now, that's a key phrase in there. In other words, if you forget God, he will forget you. And if he forgets you, you're going to wind up like the mass shooters. Do you understand what I just said to you? You get the, you get the philosophical importance of this particular piece. I would think that only liberals can follow this. I'm joking. You mean like the Bible says your life will all dry up? It could dry up. Maybe you have everything right now because you do remember him. Maybe you have everything right now because you still think about him every second. Who's him? Come on, stop giving me the BS, Michael. You know what I'm saying. Don't be a wise guy now. You're too old for it, he says to me. I said, okay, so grandfather, let's go further. Further? Where do you want to go as far as you're going to go? You were led back to where you started, which is with God. And what should I do now? Do what you're doing, but you're not happy anyway. Why? Because you don't talk to God directly. You make believe you do, but you don't. You really want to, but you don't know how to. Why don't I know how to? Why don't I know how to? Because you're not leading a clean life. 
Why am I not leading a clean life? Because you're living in a place and a time in a world where there's very little cleanliness. Everything is distorted. Everything is dirty from the point of view of your people. Your people were so pure. Your people were so clean that they died for it. Do you know what that means, Michael? I don't want to know. Well, no, you shouldn't know, but they died holding the Torah. They'd rather die than not believe in God. And you make believe it's not a big deal. You make believe you could or could not. When it's convenient for you, you do. You write a book on it because you think you can sell a book? Grandfather, don't be cynical. I'm not being cynical. I'm just telling you. Do you really believe what you write or what you, or you write it just to make a living? I write it so that people can respect me. Oh, so you do it for your ego. Well, the Christians say all is vanity. All right, so the Christians are right. All is vanity. So you're a vain man. Yes, I'm a vain man. You're only a vain man? I don't know. Let God judge whether I'm only a vain man. Are you doing more harm than good or more good than harm? God will have to judge. Oh, the God that you're not sure exists? The God that you mock? The God that you play with? Look, grandfather, you're putting me in a hard place. Yeah, that's where I want you to be. You don't have that much time on earth to play around with these things and these ideas. Either you're all in or don't be in at all. Move to L.A. Act like one of the other 75-year-old, 80-year-old schmucks. Get yourself a 25-year-old girlfriend and, you know, drive around like you're 25 years old. Take Viagra every day and think that you're 25 years old, which you're not. Live in that dream world because that too will come to an end. So what do you want me to do, grandfather? Do what you're doing, but do it a little more seriously. Understand that you are put here for a reason, and in some regard, you have fulfilled your purpose. In other regards, you're taking it in a little too cavalier in a manner. In, you're taking it in a little too cavalier a manner. See, I know some words. We knew them in Russian and Hebrew, too. We know what cavalier means, Michael. You don't really take yourself seriously enough, Michael. I'm trying to tell you that you're way past what even you think you are. You're much more important than you think you are. And the reason you don't know who you are is because you don't want to know who you are. And the reason you don't know you don't want to know who you are is because you're afraid to know who you are. Why am I afraid to know who I am? Why? Because you'll have to change your life. And you'll have to do things that you don't want to do, which is what? Lead people for the good of God, for the good of the world. I think I have to stop here, Grandfather. Why, you're afraid? I'm not afraid. I'm just not sure what you're talking about. Well, you want to know what I'm talking about? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. You, Michael, have to lead people in a more divine manner. You have to lead them in a more holy manner. You have to understand that this is not an accident where what you have, having helped elect a president and having conversations with the leader of the most powerful nation on earth, every word that you say has a power. Each word of yours is an atomic bomb. Do you understand what you release when you talk on the radio or you write a book? Or do you think it's a joke? I think I have to take a break and have a drink now. Why? You don't have the strength to go on? I'm not sure if I do, and I don't know if the recording is still recording. Oh, that's a good excuse. So why don't you take a break and see if it's still recording, because I can keep talking since I'm dead. I'm in the next world, and I have nothing to do. See, I'm in eternity, Michael. I could talk forever. But you apparently, you already ran out of steam. I looked at him, and I said, okay, grandfather, what would you have me talk about today to millions of people? So far, I haven't received an answer. I wrote, so I'm going to turn to you with a question. My audience now listening to the show, what would my great-grandfather want me to talk about today to millions of people? I could tell you that I don't know. What would you have me talk about when you think about all the subjects under the sun? All the subjects under the sun, and you want me to talk about four subjects? Mueller and Comey, or someone on Fox News? Okay, I'll break it off there. 
If you got something out of that story and you want it in writing, it's in A Savage Life. It's a new story that I added. It was put in the back instead of the front. But these conversations with my great-grandfather are in that book, as is Sam the Butcher, Dead Man's Pants, Fat Tippy and the Dog, Woodchuck Bill, Happy and Sad Cufflinks, Fat Al and the Tuna, all the stuff that you came to love about me all of these years. Many of you love The Leather Man Gets Brain Cancer. That was a heck of a story. How about when pasta was spaghetti? Can I go to a high note? Why don't you play some Tarantala music? I think I'll read when pasta was spaghetti and we'll take a break. I'm going to turn to page 226 of A Savage Life. Da 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 You ready? August 1985, I wrote this. Written in a lightning storm at 40,000 feet over Cheyenne, Wyoming. When I thought the plane was going to crash, I wrote when pasta was spaghetti after two or three drinks. So you people get ready to sneer. You sane people get ready to enjoy it because it's a wonderful poem. Jim's still searching for Tarantala. Make believe that Tarantala is playing behind me right now. Here it goes. Let's see. The hairy forearms of New York serve you your coffee with a turning gesture, an offering that says, drink, eat, enjoy. The wiry Italian in Vincent's clam bar, the one behind the greased over register, the young kid connected, the one who receives his deference from the spaghetti cook, older than his gangster father, the spaghetti cook who looks like an old-fashioned doctor from the Bronx with clipped mustache. He actually pulls some noodles out of the pot and eats them as they cook, looking to the grimy ceiling for his tender answer. Well, I used to call it spaghetti. Now it's pasta at $20 a plate. The smoky windows of Romeo's Spaghetti now offer radios and knickknacks. It was 50 cents a plate then in neon letters that you couldn't miss even through a fogged-over window on a cold winter's eve. There was life, marinara sauce that stuck to the seat, noodles as long as your young arm, meatballs as fluffy as your dreams of them, bread on the table that you'd eat against your parents' admonition that the meal was coming, the meal was coming, and men, some burly with black hairy forearms whose smiles scared you, and little skinny guys with a look of murder on their faces, and people who slurped their spaghetti straight to their mouths from their plate in one motion like Chinese shoveling rice in the mouth with clicking sticks. That was gusto before it became a beer ad. That was taste before it became a synonym for fashion. That was spaghetti before it became pasta. Savage. It is the Savage Nation having conversations, not with my great-grandfather right now, but with you, the Savage Nation, and you're invited to call at 855-407-282. I'm remiss to get into the philosophical side of Michael Savage because I don't know that it matches the audiences that listen to talk radio, whether they ever did or don't, and I'm not putting you down. I, I think the people are just not interested in philosophy anymore. I don't know what they're interested in. Right? They want to talk again about Trump. Trump great, Trump not great. Racism, who wants to talk about it? I don't. But if you want to, God bless you. I know that's what people are obsessed with. Dayton Shooter's demonic notebook reveals he fantasized about massacres, hunting for humans, and crave drugs. Nothing to do with the white supremacism, to do with the overuse of drugs, the video game madness, the movies put out by those in Hollywood who have destroyed the, the mind of the world through their violence. I mean, these are people are the people who did it to us. There's another article on michaelsavage.com. West African slavery lives on today, 400 years after transatlantic trade began. 
So when that little rat, Al Sharpton, opens up his filthy mouth again about white supremacy or slavery, ask him to go to West Africa and see what he can do about the slavery that's going on right now, that lying fraud in a Brioni suit. Okay, let's take some calls. San Francisco, Robert, line eight, fire away. Time is short. What's on your mind? Dr. Savage, I really enjoyed your conversation with your grandfather. Thank you. Similar ones with my recently deceased father. Mm. I have a question for you, though, um, Rabbi Michael, um, regarding Mm. our, our pets. I know you love Teddy, and I'm sitting here with my cat on my lap. Why do you think we have these relationships with these animals? I, I we don't talk to them. There's no Well, and I'll, I'll answer the question directly because I've thought I've I've had dogs since I'm a little boy. I believe that our pets are our spiritual connection to the spirits. I believe our pets are our spiritual guides in some regards. I don't mean to to God necessarily, but I mean to the spirits we spirits we can't see. And in that sense, they're, they're, we're blind. We're blind in the, in the other dimensions in which we dwell. Now, most listeners to talk radio would think that that's crap. They're two-dimensional thinkers, uh, good and bad, two legs good, four legs bad. Republicans like us good and Democrats all evil. That, that's the average audience. They don't believe there are other dimensions. They don't believe there are other worlds. They don't believe in any of that. To them, it's a two-dimensional world. I live in a multi-dimensional world, and so I always have. And dogs have always been my connection to that those other dimensions, or some of them anyway. Does that answer it in part? It does. It does. I uh, I think I know it's more than just food and shelter. Um, well, look. Let's go back to the beginning. Why would dogs? Where did dogs come from? They descended from the wolf. All dogs descend from the wolf. Who was the first domesticated wolf? How did he become a dog? No doubt he hung around a cave somewhere, and he kind of begged the owner in some way to let him into the cave to act as his guardian. And he said to the guy in the cave, I'll tell you what, although I am a wolf capable of fighting other wolves, I will not hurt you or your family or your your livestock if you have one, like a sheep. If you take me and feed me and domesticate me, I will become your guard. That was the beginning of the dog. In my mind, and it's evolutionary, evolutionarily true as well. Get it? Not if you're a Republican, I get it. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. And the other thing we should do is we should challenge these students. We should challenge students in these schools to have advanced placement programs in these schools. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids, wealthy kids, black kids, Asian kids. I really mean it, but think how we think about it. God, Joe. Poor kids are just as bright. You have to deconstruct it to even understand what his twisted brain said. 
I was a poor kid. Wait a minute. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. So I was poor and white, so I don't understand how that works. Jim, could you follow this, what Joe said? Poor kids are just, oh, he didn't mean poor. Oh, he got mixed up. He got mixed up. The cards came out the wrong way. I don't know about you, but I'm so fed up with the word race and racism. And I've given you the, the ultimate answer. The next time someone throws it in your face, if you're a Trump supporter or a, let's say you don't support socialism and they try to shame you, just say, you know, using the word racist like this is very racist of you. You should be ashamed of yourself. Say it again. Using the word racist like you do is quite racist of you. You should be ashamed of yourself. That wouldn't stop Cory Booker, who got where he is by using the race card. Kamala Harris, who got where she is using the race card. Beto uh, using the race card. That's how he got where he is. But shame on Trump. I mean, <laughs> I mean, shame on Biden for attacking Trump on this issue. Because Biden got where he is, again, as a white male, didn't he? There was a great piece of the phony of phonies, Elizabeth Warren, as she goes to see the farmers of Iowa. I love the, the, the uh, college teachers when they go and they make believe they're listening. She talks to this farmer who's raising cows, and they want to eliminate cows who fart because they say the methane is causing global warming, uh, to make it simple for you. So she goes to talk to a farmer in Iowa, this elitist from Harvard, and she makes believe she's listening. He's explaining to her very clearly what's going on. And she goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know the type. You've seen it. The university types, they shake their head, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's not hearing a word the farmer is saying. Photo up. But he has a thousand times the wisdom of this moron, Elizabeth Warren. Listen to clip 17, please. You know, the Green New Deal says we need to get rid of cows. I don't agree with that because well-managed grasslands where you rotationally graze, uh -huh. you know, all these paddocks mm -hmm. like that uh -huh. system uh -huh. there has about eight different paddocks. Uh -huh. You're actually going to use more CO2 and sequester more carbon uh -huh. because of the regrowth all the time. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. yet, you know, that's a permanent pasture. So anyway, my point is we have become so ignorant of the basic principles of biology in food production uh -huh. that we have said we answer them all through technology instead of letting Mother Earth mm -hmm. and having uh -huh. respect. Mm-hmm, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh. Elizabeth Warren is, the class, is a classic Soviet bureaucrat who went out to the farmers in the 30s in Russia and demonized them as kulaks. I've told the story over and over again. And then the government took over raising crops and there were 30 million people who died. That's Elizabeth Warren. She would nationalize farming in America, turn it over to kids from Georgetown who never raised a, uh, a green bean in a window box. UK drag queen teaches kids how to twerk. Now you know why there's no England anymore. Uh, a, lot, a lot of stuff here. I go like, MSNBC contributors saying, I want pitchforks and torches outside this man's house in the Hamptons. He should be arrested. I said to you that freedom of speech has its limits. Calling for someone's injury and violence is a violation of the First Amendment. The police should arrest this contributor to MSNBC, along with Phil Griffin, for letting him on the air. Phil Griffin is the demon behind MSNBC. I wouldn't say I want pitchforks and torches outside Phil Griffin's house, would I? I would never say that. 
but yet he lets this vile racist on his network say, I want pitchforks and torches outside this man's house in the Hamptons. Shame on you, Phil. When I first met you, when I had my TV show, I thought you were a decent man. Little did I know you were worse than all of them. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't play uh, tweet, P-tweet, Pete Nobody. You know, I don't even want to play him saying racism is a white problem. It's so boring already, the word racism. Later, we're going to talk about the link between pot and mass and shootings because you need to be ed- educated on it. Here's another story I need to get to that uh, you wouldn't expect from a conservative talk show host. It came up, of all places, not in a liberal publication today, but in the conservative Washington Times. Gold star orphans of U.S. soldiers robbed of payouts by tax man under the Trump tax plan. I know it's heartbreaking, and you don't want to hear it. This tax plan is a disaster for the gold star orphans of U.S. soldiers who were killed in combat. Did you know that? Marine First Lieutenant Matthew Davis was killed in the line of duty in 2014, leaving behind his wife Elizabeth and their 10-year-old daughter, who was named as the beneficiary of his survivor benefit plan. For years, this family paid about $1,000 a year in taxes on that money. But this year, when Ms. Davis filed her daughter's taxes for the first time after Trump's tax overhaul, that payment soared to $10,000. Did you know this, Jim? Nobody could believe this. Ms. Hood had to pull money out of her savings account to pay the bill, using all the funds she had set aside to take her son to tour college campuses. Now, you could say that's an unintended consequence. I would say it may be intended because the biggest beneficiaries of this tax plan, unfortunately, are not the average person and especially not the gold star orphans of U.S. soldiers. I'm Michael Savage, and I agree with my analysis. Again, we'll take on any topic that you feel is interesting. I have not yet gotten to the sad truth that the Trump administration has reauthorized the wildlife killing using M44 cyanide bombs on coyotes and uh, such. Of course, they're killing other animals with it. It's one of the most painful deaths imaginable to an animal. Wildlife management tells you it's painless. They're lying to you. It's a very painful death. And... uh, I've had people who are trappers have called me and agreed with me. Lines are filling up for today's show. Call 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-407-282. My tweet is on michaelsavage.com. Please visit the story on michaelsavage.com. Trump permits EPA to reauthorize use of cyanide bombs to kill wild animals. Heartbreaking. I thought I had reached Ivanka and Jared on protecting our animal friends. Sad for the world, I wrote. And it is true because I know that Ivanka and Jared, who are very important to the president and shape a lot of his policies, wanted to protect the wildlife, wanted to heal the earth. We talked about, frankly, we talked about cleaning the water in Flint, Michigan. I was involved with that campaign from the beginning. Then they dropped it. We talked about other things that I was going to head up, and I got pushed aside by uh, the mafia that's inside the media that whispers in his ear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a conservative mafia that whispers in Trump's ear. And this conservative mafia elbows out anybody who doesn't go along with their uh, protection scam. Anyone who doesn't kick up to the to anyone who doesn't kick up to the Don, and I don't mean the president. Anyone who doesn't kick up to the Don, who runs all of these conservatives as their agent. Anyone who doesn't kick up through him doesn't uh, stay in the in the inner circle. It's all money. If you actually knew that most of these people don't believe a thing in what they say, you actually believe that there are conservatives in the media. Do you actually believe? that they believe what they're saying to you when all it is is about saving money 
and making sure they don't pay higher taxes. That's what most of it is. And on the other side, you think they believe it, all the screaming about racism? It's all about money. They're being driven by the same forces on the other side. They want to seize control so they can get control of the national treasury and the jobs and the bennies and the appointments, the patronage system. But it's gotten uglier than I've seen it in my whole life, you know. 855-407-28. To what would you like to talk about? Any topic is fair game today. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk with an expert writer on the subject of the link between marijuana and mass shootings. That's right. Miranda Devine wrote a great article in the New York Post, which I put on michaelsavage.com for your access. And she says, you can't walk through the streets of Manhattan these days without smelling weed. Even as evidence mounts of the health problems associated with marijuana, New York has insisted on joining other greedy states scrambling to legalize this deceptively dangerous drug. It makes no sense at a time when American youth is suffering from an unprecedented mental health crisis. She's a thousand percent right. She'll join us at the bottom of the hour. I'll be right back. Savage. story came out today in the local uh, rag that car break-ins have gone up at the most iconic site in the whole city. Police can't stop it because the judges throw the cases out. There's no judges in San Francisco. They're fake. What they are are pimps for uh, special interests uh, with, uh, I don't know, they just pay them off to sit up there and throw cases out. There's no law in San Francisco. There's no law and order in San Francisco. None. It's a lawless, horrendous city to live in. It's beautiful, the most beautiful city on earth. The weather is stupendous. I sleep with eight covers on my bed. It's so beautiful in this heat wave everyone's having. But what these liberals have done to this city with their psychotic mindset from the overuse of drugs, sex, and rock and roll is something you can't imagine. You go to the Golden Gate Bridge, there's a turnaround that all tourists go to. They come in, they drive over the bridge. They, they get out of the car for two minutes. Their car is broken into by gangs. You're telling me the police can't patrol that bridge and catch them? But they don't because they know the cases will be thrown out. I had a friend come into the city last night to Fisherman's Wharf. She parked over there in a garage. She said a group of men came over. She parked. It was full of her stuff, her children's stuff. She said three men from Azerbaijan came over and said, oh, don't leave your stuff in the car. It'll be robbed. I said, they're probably the ones who will rob it. I said, get the car out of the garage. I sent them down to Aliotos. There's a good lot across the street from Aliotos where they go. It's a secure lot. It's, a, you know, they, whatever. No one broke in down there because they have people watching the cars. I don't understand how a city can go on with such tourism and not see what they're doing to their own city. You know, let's talk about what Trump just did. By permitting the EPA to uh, euthanize wild animals with cyanide bombs, I thought it reached a new low. Now, you say, well, you're just a liberal from New York and you don't know anything about animals. You're wrong. I'm talking about humane slaughter of animals like this. You don't hit them with cyanide in their mouth unless you yourself are sick in the head. Here is a trapper, a man who actually traps animals. I don't know him. Frank from Nevada, thanks for calling. What's your point about the use of uh, cyanide? Please tell us. Uh, Good afternoon. I'd like to explain actually how it works. Um, number one, coyotes are super smart, so you need multiple methods to control them. California alone has 700,000 coyotes. 
So if you're a rancher raising uh, beef or lambs or whatever, calves, you get hit all the time. So the way sodium cyanide works, it's a, it's not a bomb. It's spring action. No, I know how it works. I clean bronzes with the potassium cyanide, which didn't kill me. I'm super aware of it chemically. But are you saying we should use cyanide or we shouldn't? We should because it's a powder. It's an okay, so you're, you're, you're a fake caller. You made believe you were calling on one thing, and you made now you're calling to lobby for the other. Thousands of coyotes. I'm not a fake caller. Well, I know you kill coyotes. I get it. You, but you're, say, you're saying using lethal cyanide is the only way to uh, euthanize them? Would you give me a half a minute to explain how they work? No, I'm going to ask you again. Is there no humane way to kill the animals other than cyanide? It, it kills a coyote in about 37 seconds. I know. Hitler used Zyklon B. It was very humane as it annihilated millions of people. That's what the Nazis said. This, this, I don't think it was a very humane method of putting the Jews in there because they died in 30 seconds in the showers. This has nothing to do with Nazis. It has to do with animals. Well, yes, it does. It's the same mindset. If you have no feelings for animals, then the next step is having no feelings for humans. How about a feeling for uh, the calves or sheep that are getting killed or the person? Well, why don't you just write that off as lost like department stores do from people who rob things? Because why do you have to be why do you have to be so greedy? Why don't you not let the have, let the coyotes take two percent of the herd? What are they that greedy? They need the extra two percent of calves. Two percent. It stops until you're out of business. They don't quit. How it works? Well, okay. So why can't we talk about the humane slaughter of coyotes? About it. All right. When the coyotes- Wait, sir, how were coyotes killed before Trump reauthorized the use of this Nazi-like cyanide bomb? They've been using cyanide for probably 100 years. They use leg hole traps, snares, shooting, all these methods. If you get an educated coyote... Well, the problem with the cyanide uh, bombs is that other animals are being killed, including dogs, bears, and animals that they do not want to kill because it's not that specific. It spreads out into the immediate environment. It's super specific because where you set is open ground. No, it's not super specific. You're lying because you yourself are a, a, a trapper and you're working for the ranchers. I understand that. You have a bias. But according to all the data I have read, it's not super specific. No. And I will let it go with that because I, I don't appreciate people getting on my show with one statement and switching it to another. You're very smart. You're as smart as the coyotes. The guy actually called to say there's a humane way to kill and he's a trapper. Okay, so we took him. Then he switched it around to this because he's like the coyotes that he hunts. He's just as clever as they are. He's as clever as a fox. This is very good. This is what you humanity... Look, my main point is this. If you lose your humanity in the way you hunt animals, the next thing is you will use your humanity towards other uh, creatures such as human beings. And I will say again, that there is a humane way to slaughter animals and an inhumane way. And I said to you, the essence of civilized life was founded on the humane slaughter of animals. We are going backwards with the EPA under Donald Trump. Now, you can applaud if you want, or you can throw brickbats in your mind if you want, because many of you want to think that Trump is evil. Many of you want to think Trump is God. No, it's not true either way. What is true is that Humane slaughter is one thing, and inhumane slaughter and suffering is quite another. And unfortunately, under this administration, they've gone backwards 100 years, if not more. That's one man's opinion. If you don't agree with me, turn on Rush Limbaugh. I'm sure you'll hear everything you want to know about humane slaughter. Savage. 
Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, link between marijuana and mass shootings with Miranda Devine, columnist of the New York Post. But I want to finish up the last segment. I'm outraged that Trump has permitted the EPA to reauthorize the use of cyanide bombs to kill wild animals. And I'm going to do something right now that may get the message out to the world. Trump has taken the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, and under the new leadership of this agency, he has turned it into the Environmental Poisoning Agency. Maybe that one will stick. Maybe the embarrassment will, will be so great it goes all the way to the White House and they can stop crapping on the rest of us who know what's going on and they can start doing something about protecting the environment instead of destroying the environment and suffering animals like this. Causing unnecessary suffering is sickening. Really sickening. They've turned us back 100 years on this. There, I got it out of my system. From the Environmental Protection Agency to the Environmental Poisoning Agency in one administration. Take that and run with it. If you don't like it, it's too bad. Call me anything you'd like, but just spell it right, S-A-V-A-G-E. Now let's go to a topic I know a lot about, the link between marijuana and violence, marijuana and mass shootings. Great column by Miranda Devine from the New York Post. She joins us now to discuss this important issue. Miranda, sorry for the delay, but I had to get that out of my system. Are you there? Miranda, are you there? Okay, guess are you there, Miranda yes. Devine? Good afternoon, Michael. In, in your recent column, you highlight the link between marijuana and psychosis, especially in male adolescents. What is the evidence to support this? Well, it is overwhelming. There are decades of studies all over the world, from Sweden to New Zealand, of thousands and thousands of people over a long term, and it all shows incontrovertibly that marijuana use prompts, triggers, psychosis, schizophrenia, mental illness. Uh, it is a very dangerous drug. If you are young, particularly, you start it early when the adolescent brain is very vulnerable, it's remaking connections, the marijuana seems to have a really lethal effect on the developing brain, or if you have a genetic predisposition. Uh, it ruins lives, and I've heard from so many parents who are despairing about their children who started smoking weed that everyone thinks is a benign, harmless yeah. drug, and it's destroyed them. You, you quote a seminal long-term study of 50,000 Swedish army conscripts. You found that those who had tried marijuana by age 18 had 2.4 times the risk of being diagnosed with schizophrenia in the following 15 years than those who would never use the drug. Now, as a trained epidemiologist, I could take that apart in a certain way and say maybe they were you know, schizophrenic before they smoked it and it just exacerbated it. But in either case, the facts are the same, which is that the marijuana either exacerbates schizophrenia or provokes it, right? Absolutely. And if you are a heavy user, you are seven times more likely to be admitted to hospital with really serious symptoms of schizophrenia. Look, it's not just the Swedes. Uh, in New Zealand, another study of more than a 1,000 people, uh, those who used cannabis at the early ages, at 15 to 18, they had a much higher rate of psychotic symptoms 10 years later. It has a lasting effect. You write that to make matters worse, the marijuana sold at legal dispensaries today is five times more potent than the pot of the 70s and 80s. And you quote the book by Alex Berenson, because I had him on my podcast a few months ago. It was a very popular podcast, The Truth About Marijuana Violence and Mental Health. But you say that the first four states to legalize marijuana, Alaska, Colorado, Oregon, and Washington, 
have seen sharp increases in violent crime since 2014. Can you tell us something about that? Well, yes, that, that is exactly those states that have uh, legalized marijuana. This is something that they don't talk about, but they've had a sharp increase in violent crime. They've also had a sharp increase in traffic fatalities where the drivers mm. um, have mm-hmm. tested positive for marijuana. You know, this is mm-hmm. a very dangerous um, situation where you've got people driving around completely off their heads, unable to manage a motor vehicle, or you've got people who have become psychotic, now they blow into psychotic rages. Of course, if marijuana triggers mental illness and uh, mental illness causes the sufferers at times to be violent, you shouldn't be surprised by these statistics. So let's look at the shootings of last weekend. We had the El Paso uh, racist maniac, then we had the non-racist, just generic insane person from Dayton who was a drug user, a musician, uh, engaged in horrible lyrics about women, hated women apparently by his lyrics. Uh, would you suspect, is there any to find out what drugs they were on? There? Why is it they rarely report what legal psychoactive drugs they would be on? Let's put marijuana aside for a minute. And when you combine marijuana with some other drugs, I mean, you have a real lethal cocktail, don't you? Absolutely. We know that the Dayton shooter um, talked quite a bit on Twitter about drugs and he mentioned methamphetamine, which is a diabolical drug. Um, And we also know that the um, El Paso shooter, when police searched his rental home, they found uh, drugs and one that was mentioned was benzodiazepam, which is Valium. Mm -hmm. Well, we have states pushing marijuana now for the taxes and whatnot, Mm. and yet we never, ever hear a cautionary note about the use of marijuana, especially in the young. Is it that bad that these states are so corrupt and so greedy that they won't even put a cautionary note on? I mean, you put you take cigarettes. They still permit people to, to smoke cigarettes. Right. But it says caution. It could cause cancer. I mean, you and I would agree that there should be a. Uh, a warning label on on marijuana dispensaries in neon letters over the marijuana shop. Caution, (laughs) smoking marijuana can provoke schizophrenia and violence. Yes, well, that's the very least that they should do. I mean, look, there's a lot of money to be made, as you know, and, um, you know, a lot of wealthy Wall Street investors, they see this as their new pot of gold. And so, of course, big weed has been lobbying lawmakers just as much as any other industry, probably more aggressively. And, uh, you know, they're pretending that somehow uh, providing high-potency commercial marijuana is going to, to provide social justice um, for minority communities. I don't know where that comes from, but this is being used That's quite as an racist, excuse. by the way. That's quite a racist view, that it's going to be a benefit to minority communities. That's like saying they all smoke dope. You may as well make it legal. You know, you know who the number one spokesman is for the number one IPO coming out for a marijuana uh, uh, conglomerate? It's John Boehner. Can you believe the former Republican speaker? Wasn't he wasn't he a speaker? I don't know if he was. Yeah. John Boehner is the spokesman for the newest IPO pushing marijuana. Can you believe this? And, you know, that is just shocking. He obviously, he was a big smoker, so they've obviously thought that he was a... Oh, yeah, he was a smoker to begin with. Right, right, right. He was a cigarette guy. Yeah. I mean, tobacco, you're actually just harming yourself. 
and giving yourself lung cancer and probably okay. being a burden on the, the health community. But marijuana actually has an impact on society. And, you know, I've just been inundated with uh, emails from parents who are just despair about the catastrophe that's befallen their family because it's, it's all sons, they tell me about, but sons, you know, who are basically living in basements and have become psychotic nutcases or, at the very least, um, you know, have, have, it, this drug has just robbed them of their ambition. You write, and we're speaking with Miranda Devine, who wrote a great article on the link between pot and mass shootings, maybe closer than we think, in the New York Post. You cite studies, real studies. It's not just opinion at this point. And you write this. Just last year, the parents opposed the pot lobby. I didn't know there was a group called POP. Parents opposed the pot lobby group tried to sound the alarm on the link between marijuana and mass shootings, compiling a list of mass killers it claims were heavy users of of, uh, dope from a young age, from Aurora, Colorado shooter James Holmes, Tucson, Arizona shooter Jared Longner, to Chattanooga, Tennessee shooter Mohammed Abdulaziz. You know how many years on this show I have been trying to sound the alarm about the dangers of marijuana? And one, I don't know if you've come across this in your reading. The, the root word of the word assassin is the same root word as that for hashish. Very few people know that, that most Arab assassins got high on hashish before they went out on their bloody sprees. People don't know that. Oh, really? That is... Hash- look, look at the words hashish, assassin, assassin, hashish. The root word... The root word, the root word is the same in Arabic. And so people say, oh, it's a benign drug. It's just an herb. It's good for you. They make it sound like it's a vitamin, don't they? Yeah. And, and really what it does is it removes that conscience part of your brain, the, the judgment part of your brain that tells you not to do bad things like kill people. And uh, I think, you know, it, the problem is that you've got the baby boomers who are now in charge in this country in the political and media classes. And they still think of marijuana as being a benign drug, which when when they were coming of age, it was a lot less potent. You know, it was 3 4% of the active ingredient, THC, that chemical compound that causes them to be intoxicated. Well, now you've got big weed uh, looking into having vape, vaping products and edible products, um, which are 99% potent. 99% THC. So 99% a tetrahydrocannabinol will kill people. Well, exactly. Oh, unless they're from Colorado, I'm sorry, or San Francisco, where they were born with it in their mother's milk. Yeah, yeah. It, it so is- what made you, I'm curious, yeah. Ms. Devine, what made you interested in this subject? Well, many years ago, probably a decade ago, I was writing about mental illness um, in my columns and a psychiatrist contacted me and asked me if I knew about the link between marijuana and psychosis and I didn't. So he then put me onto all these studies and, you know, I went through them all. I have a science background. Um, I majored in mathematics, so I understand you know, how these things work, and I trust the science if it's well done. And it seems to be very difficult to refute the science, and I find it really ironic that the same left-wingers who tell us all, well, respect the science when it comes to the big global warming myth, um, 
are now just completely ignoring. Well, their science on the global morning warning myth is also wrong. Let them read about the Vostok ice core samples if they want to know about the science of non-global warming. Uh, I understand what you're saying. I love your column. The link between pot and mass shootings may be closer than we think. It's it's a you know, it's heartbreaking that this is not being discussed more widely because the forces of commerce are so powerful these days. You're not going to hear much about marijuana and mass shootings, are you? Miranda Devine, thank you. I love your column. I've linked it up on michaelsavage.com. Please keep writing these great columns. Thanks, Michael. Great to talk to you. Thank you very much. What's your favorite story from a savage life? Will Trump lose suburban women over guns and cyanide bombs? Sweden makes beggars pay a begging fee. Should we do that in the U.S.? Do you support the president's ideas for gun control, like red flag laws? Why is the NRA against these? The link between pot and mass shootings, marijuana horror stories. These topics and more have been discussed thus far on the Savage Nation. When I come back, I'll have time for one or two calls. Grab a line. Savage. I know most of you are going to go into savage withdrawal now. There's nothing to listen to until Monday when I come back. No, no, there's plenty of hosts you can listen to. They'll tell you that pot is good for you. Uh, Only ninnies and scaredy-cat liberals are afraid of it. They'll tell you that it's good to kill um, coyotes with cyanide bombs. That's the manly, manly way. That's the way. That's the manly way. Cyanide is good for animals. That's the good thing to do. I mean, we're real Americans, and real Americans kill those critters. And it doesn't matter, humane or inhumane. Only a, I don't know, a, a faggy kind of commie would care about how you kill an animal, right? They're real men. You go out, you crush them, run them over with your four by four. Crush them with a hammer, break their skulls with a hammer. Shoot them with an AK-47, show them you're a real man, a real Republican. That's the way it's done. That's what you do if you're a real Republican. A cyanide bomb is nothing to them. You take your machine gun out there and you kill them. You shoot them and their children, their little animals, they're nothing but fur anyway. And then get some bears at the same time, shoot them dead. And if you really want to be a man, go to Africa and machine gun an elephant and its calf. Bring home those tusks. Show you're a real Republican American. Go on a big game hunt in Africa, not like a sissy, and just look at them. Kill them. Kill them. Shoot them with a machine gun. Take their tusks home and proudly display your Republican tusk on your mantelpiece. Show you're a real man, not a sissy, not some kind of sissy wimp who's afraid to execute animals with a machine gun. So what's this thing that Savage is working up about cyanide with animals? It's good for them. It's good to kill them as quickly as you can. It doesn't matter if they suffer and it kills dogs and other animals as well, if they're in the area. What matters is that we we save those sheep. And those cattle for the greedy sheep and cattle ranchers who don't want to give up even a, even a sheep. You know, in a supermarket, people, have, they pilfer, they rob. That's considered the cost of doing business. It's about 1% in um, department stores or 2% is written off when they know that they're going to lose it to uh, shoplifters. They just write it off. So the sheep farmer could say, I'll write off 3% rather than have my land poisoned with cyanide and use an in- inhumane method. I'm shocked, by the way, that uh, Trump is blind to this. I'm really shocked to it. I'm shocked by it because I told you when it started 
I brought the subject up to him and the great first lady. They were very interested. They were not just shining me on. They knew I was right. Ivanka and Jared, if I'm not allowed to mention their name, I don't know if I'm even more excommunicated now. It doesn't matter at this point. They were 100% behind me on the environment, 100% on having me actively involved in protecting the earth and the animals. And I really thought it was going to happen. And then the gangster from the media, the media gangster who they listen to on a regular basis, a man who was just like a mafia don, put the the thumb down like a Caesar, and I've been pushed out by the media gangster. And to the detriment of humanity, I have thus far been pushed out. So he no longer hears from those of us who are sensitive to these things, no longer sensitive to the screams of the dying animals, no longer sensitive to the dying earth. Instead, he listens to the thugs who break bricks with their hearts and their minds because they have no soul. Have a nice weekend. Worship God. Love your family. The Westwood One Podcast Network.